Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good morning. Are you in love with the Word? Aren't we grateful for the Word? Everything and everyone are unstable, are they not? Amen. Ever-changing, which is not fun unless it's someone else changing instead of you and it's for your good, right? We're all, we all vote for that, but almost never get that. So the word is the only unchanging thing, Jesus. So we can found our lives on that, nothing else. Can't found our lives on our own knowledge. Can't found our lives on what the government says. Will it won't happen, what your boss says. There's no such thing as job security, in case you were wondering except in Jesus. Amen? So as you're turning to Second Chronicles 1-2, know this, the value that you place on anything in life is immediately revealed by the price you're willing to pay for it. The value that you place on anything in life is immediately revealed by the price you're willing to pay for. So I say the only difference between humans is what they value. And we can tell what everybody values by the price they're willing to pay for it. Whether it's your health or your career or your relationships or your knowledge of God, everything has its price and uh, each person decides the value it has to them. So in Second Chronicles, you all know the story well. Second uh, Chronicles, uh, chapter one, verse two. We Solomon has come to the throne very newly uh, from David, his father, and obviously he hasn't uh, had any uh, necessarily on-the-job training. So the pastor asked me to preach this message that I call one thousand offerings. So here we go. It says Solomon, son of David, strengthened his position over the kingdom. The Lord his God was with him and made him very powerful. Is God interested in you having power? Absolutely. You just need to know where it's from and what you're supposed to be doing with it. It's power over the enemy, not power over other people. And so God made him powerful. Solomon spoke to all Israel, to the commanders of regiments and battalions and judges and every prince. That would kind of be like our mayor saying, hey, I want to talk to law enforcement. I want to talk to uh, men and women and the heads of families. And he gathered the entire community and spoke to everyone that was leading someone, even leading uh, your dog. And so this is what Solomon was doing. He assembled the whole town. And he said uh, that the bronze altar at Bezalel, son of Uri and grandson of Hur, had made in front of the Lord's tent. Solomon and the assembly worshiped the Lord. So remember, Dave, the tabernacle uh, was a tent, and David had the Ark of the Covenant. Remember, David wanted to build the temple, and God said no. He said, but your son can build it. So what David did is he spent his personal fortune piling up uh, billions of dollars, not from the national treasury, but from his personal personal uh, wages to pay for it. God didn't tell him he couldn't pay for it. So notice David's heart here. He's like, you won't let me build it, but I'm, I'm going to pay for it. So he had set aside the money to build the temple, uh, and Solomon was going to get to build it. And so Solomon uh, comes to the Lord, and he says, um, in the Lord's presence, Solomon went to the bronze altar in front of the tent of meeting. This is verse 6, and he sacrificed 1,000 offerings. And we have a difficulty with one on Sunday morning. <laughs> Solomon did 1,000 burnt offerings. That cost of those offerings was $325,000. I wonder how long that offering message took. Because <laughs> what did they bring for offerings? 
cows, goats, and sheep. And what did they have to do? They had to slaughter them. So we've got a nice long line out there. Ministry of service is going and blowing out the, out the temple, around the tent, and into the desert of 1,000 animals that are going to come one at a time. Now the altar was about 12 feet tall. So we didn't just pick up little lamb and throw her on the altar. Okay, we needed a crane, we have to hoist, they had ropes, so they have hoisted this animal up on this altar, they go through all the rituals prescribed, and you know, fire consumes it, and then they repeat this 999 more times together, and nobody goes home, and nobody takes a break. So that means they were tents, there were little toilets, somebody was serving water, somebody was cooking food, so every person was in the ministry of service making this happen, and this was just because we wanted to come offer offerings to God. So maybe 12 to 24 hours that we're camping out around the tent, two million people, men, women, children, and babies, doing a thousand offerings. But let's find out what happened. What did God do about Solomon's 1,000 offerings? Verse 7. See the word that? Every time you read a that, a this, and a therein, most people skip that in the King James, but therein, those three words, lies all the revelation. It'll say that, or then, or this. You're getting ready to get revelation, so don't ignore those words. Pay attention to that. That night... So Solomon's asleep and God appeared to him and God says this, ask what I will give you. That word ask in the Hebrew means demand from me, but ask without boundaries. So he says to Solomon, because of what you just did for me, I want you to demand anything unlimited. What can I appoint you? What can I bestow upon you? What can I give you? Anything. Unlimited amounts of monies, unlimited amounts of powers, unlimited amounts of conquering enemies. That word ask meant had the fullest possible latitude with no boundaries. It meant he could ask for more than one thing. So God waits to see what Solomon's response will be. I wonder if ours would be so great. So uh, verse 8, Solomon responded to God, and he says this, You've shown great love to my father David, and you've made me king in his place. Now, Lord, you kept your promise you made to my father David, and you've made me king of people who are as numerous as specks of dust on the ground. Give me wisdom and knowledge so that I may lead these people. After all, who can judge this people of yours? Know from this verse, you don't have a money problem. You have a wisdom problem. So if you think you have a money problem, go to the word for wisdom, because wisdom solves the money problem. So Solomon knew what to ask for. He knew that wisdom, the Bible says in Proverbs, was the principal thing. And notice he hadn't written Proverbs yet. <laughs> wisdom was the principal thing. If he got that, everything else would follow. So he knew what to ask for. And this is God's response to him. God said, Solomon, I know this request is from your heart. In other words, you're not asking this because you think it's the answer I want to hear, which is how many times we do that to God. Like we know the right answer, but we also know we don't really believe it. Our heart doesn't connect to it. And God knows our heart. So he's saying, Solomon, I know this is, in other words, this is truly stated from your heart and this is what you desire above all things. So because you asked this, now look at what I'm going to give you. You didn't ask me for riches, fortunes, honor, or the death of those who hate you. He didn't say it was wrong to ask that. You just said you didn't ask. You didn't even ask me for a long life. You asked me for wisdom and knowledge. So this is what he says I'm going to do for you in verse 12. Unto you is granted what you ask. I'm going to give you also riches, wealth, accumulative. That's not somebody who wins the lottery and it takes only 36 months for everybody that wins the lottery to be divested of it. It's gone. 
does the statistics. He said that's why there's never been a man richer than, than Solomon, not even the sheiks over in uh, Saudi Arabia, because God said your wealth will be accumulative and without limit. And honor, such as none of the kings have had before you, neither after you or like you. So you might want to try asking God for a little wisdom and see what he does for you. Uh, what happened here? Solomon hit the mother load. You have not because you ask not. But so the Bible says you can ask amiss. And so I've had to learn to ask the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't even have the question. Could you give me the question and then answer my question? He said, yeah. Thanks for asking. So he gives me the question, I ask the question, and then he gives me the answer. And that delights him. So you don't even have to have the question. Just admit that you don't have the question. Do you know there's stuff you don't know? Say, hey, obviously there's something I don't know, and I'm not sure what it is. So God, can you help me out? So what did Solomon do? He said, let's build the temple. So seven years goes by. Let's bump over to uh, chapter 5. We know that the temple took seven years. It had 150,000 day laborers to start start the process. That wasn't how many uh, it had at the end there. So based on this, God says, I'm going to give you everything you need. So Solomon builds the temple. So what does he do? Uh, it took seven years. Oh, and by the way, it was $140 billion dollars. There's never been anything built like that. The most expensive building in this country is the new One World Trade Center. It's four billion. The most expensive building ever built in the world today, and it's still being added to, is only at about a hundred billion, and that is the Great Mosque of Mecca. Let me just tell you something. It's not going to reach 140. If it gets close, that'll be to tell you the rapture's coming, because God is not going to have a temple to a false god that is better than what Solomon built him. So it's at a they got 40 billion to go and if they decide to spend another 40 billion of their money Jesus is coming before that happens because he's never outdone okay so that's a hundred billion dollars and that's over there in uh, Saudi Arabia okay so Solomon has gathered the whole assembly and they were brought there and then what did he do they gave so many offerings in verse 6 that these couldn't be counted now we're thinking, well, maybe the number was kind of high. There's a whole book in the Bible on numbers. They knew how to count. <laughs> so this number is not countable. We can count in the billions. We can count in the trillions. We can count farther in math, can we not? So the number of offerings given this time by the people of Israel was not countable. So whatever the highest number that math goes to, it exceeded that. They couldn't record it in the book of Numbers. And so they began. I wonder how long that took. How about a week? And how about, uh, so who got the job in ministry of helps of shoveling the cow poop? While the cows are waiting to be killed. <laughs> who got, who got, there are so many jobs here. Picture the scene. The cow, when you cut its throat, is it quiet? No. This is gross. This is disgusting. Blood is splurting all over the priest doing the job. It's hot. People are carrying water. They're carrying food. They're scooping up cow poop. They're burying their own people. Da, 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 da. And uh, this is a lot going on just so they can thank the Lord for this temple because they just want to start their day in church this way. They want to start the worship service that's going to take an entire week. Solomon's not even preaching. He hadn't even prayed yet. He's getting ready to pray, and it's two chapters long. If you want to know how to pray and just talk to God, read the next two chapters, and it's a conversation that Solomon just had with God. So they could not count these, but the priests sanctified themselves. And notice in verse 13 says what happened next. When the trumpeters and singers were in unison, when the worship team is able to get the congregation to be in unison and follow them into worship, at that moment, what happened? 
because you thought Solomon hit the mother load before. What happened when they worshiped God this way and everybody was in unity? The glory fell. It says that the glory fell so that they could not stand. The house was filled with a cloud. That word cloud means thundercloud, and the house means family. The people, the glory sat on each of the people, and they could not minister. That means they fell on their face. Two million people fell on their face. This wasn't in the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies with just the priest. God came in and fell on all of them. And where are the, the needs supplied? In the glory. Do you think anybody walked out of that service without every need supplied? Yeah. <laughs> the weight filled them. And then look, uh, then Solomon prays in responses when he gets up off his face, clearly he has a conversation with God. And moving to verse 7 to finish the story, when Solomon made an end of praying, then the fire fell. So these offerings that they couldn't count, God said, don't put any fire on them. I'm going to do it. Literal fire, this is not figurative, this is little fire, just like Elijah called down, came down and consumed everything. God said, I'll, I'll consume it. So the literal fire fell, consumed the burnt offerings. The glory of the Lord filled the house. The priests could not enter it. The people bowed their faces and worshiped and praised God and said, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Then what did Solomon decide to do in response of his gratitude for the fire? He then decided to do another offering. You're like, dear Lord, did they do anything else? Apparently not, but they didn't lack for anything either. If you had the fire and the glory like that, you wouldn't stop giving either. So then Solomon decides to offer another 22,000 cattle. It wasn't like they went away for a month and shipped it in from, the, from Egypt. They were already there in the desert, this many cattle. Still left after we couldn't count them. 22,000 cattle, 120,000 sheep, and he dedicated the temple. This was a cost of $9,550,000. Do you think God has a shortage to pay your rent and your tuition and your missions trip? Really? I wonder where he got all that money out in the desert. <laughs> there is no shortage. It's on the earth. We just sang a song about God's kingdom being established on earth as it is in heaven, and we're not thinking, what does that mean? What is the kingdom like in heaven? There's no sickness, there's no lack, there's no poverty. They walk on gold, they brush it off the bottom of their feet. So if we say, Lord, let your kingdom be established on earth the same exact way it is in heaven, then that's what it should look like. That's why Solomon just said, get more gold, cover that with gold, cover this with gold. $140 billion worth of gold, and he did not run out of gold and go, we'll just have to take up another offering. <laughs> then God said, in other words, what we're seeing here is God and Solomon in this amazing repartee of a relationship, having a great time. Solomon's like, I'm going to give you all this, God. God's like, oh, you're not going to outgive me. Then he rewards him again. And so this amazing thing of them trying to outgive each other, how fun is that? Have you ever tried to outgive God? We do. We try. Have we succeeded? No. But there's nothing more fun. If you're not having fun and you don't have joy, you've missed the boat. So God, God said, but now I've heard your prayer. My people who are called by my name, and we all quote this verse, but we don't read everything that they did before to get this quote from God. He said, now my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray. In other words, God takes ownership of you when he has your heart, and when he has your wallet, he has your heart. Then God says, now you're my person. Now you're my friend. Now I know you love me.
will pray, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. He said, my eyes will be open, and my ears will pay attention to those prayers at this place. So when the Bible says your gift that you brought makes room for you, it makes room for God. So the first thing we see God doing is he just comes down, and he leans in, and he listens. Let's, let me hear to see what they're saying and doing. But when he came in with his glory, that was himself because God can't approach sin. So they had to get the sin out of the way. They sanctified themselves and then God was able to come in and be with them. And then he actually manifested his presence. So this, if this works that way in the Old Testament, we have a better covenant. It works better and faster for you. And it's not that difficult. I'm glad we don't have to slaughter cows and camp out in the desert and scoop poop and all those things. We can just come before the Lord every Sunday with the right heart and give him our whole heart, which means we're not wondering whether we should tithe or not or give an offering or not or tip God. We're always just saying, God, how much do I have to give you today? I'm excited to give you all that I've got today and see what you'll do with it. Amen. All right. Are you ready? Thank you for joining us this week. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.com.